Okay, welcome to this addendum episode to episode four. Not sure how long this this is going to take. Maybe we'll just keep it as an addendum. Maybe we'll call it episode 4.5. But, you know, upon releasing that episode and reviewing some of the threads that were tied together there, um, you know, as I've noted about myself, I mean, a novelist is not the same as, like, a game show host, you know, or a, a newscaster, as maybe a, another example, a closer example to what a podcaster is supposed to be. So what I mean is that, you know, as I tie these threads together, uh, usually in lifetime, having pondered them, oftentimes, you know, and uh, this happens in other areas of life, you know, I've, I'm assuming almost I'm talking to like my own inner multiplicity, right? As, and so sometimes I'll look at it and, you know, I'll listen to what was recorded or even written and I'll realize, oh, you, yeah, these things are there in juxtaposition, these ideas, comments, etc. However, they may, yeah, they may be clear to uh, the remnant, you know, the very focused and attuned remnant, smarter than me remnant. But for folks who may just, one, be approaching the material, you know, with a defiant, closed mind anyway, well, they're going to need a, as close to like a syllogism level uh, statement as possible. And I don't mean because they're dumb or something. I just mean if you're not familiar with the material, sometimes you have to be very explicit. And this stuff is not... Um, we're not dealing in the type of material that's very widely dispersed. You know, uh, we don't have necessarily a common, a very common language. You can see, for those of you who have listened to what are up to like nine or ten episodes now, you know, I'm not bashful about introducing my own shit. You know, new words, new concepts etc. And it's not to be fancy. Uh, it's, it's simply to round up these, these elements, components, notions that, um, that are being dealt with. So in this vein, in episode four, you know, we're talking about what's uh, pejoratively known as flyover country or Trump America or whatever, what, ha what have you. I don't consider myself part of Trump America, just like I don't consider myself part of, uh, you know, urban America or liberal America or blue church in Vanderclay's terms. None of these things are appealing to me. I'm on the, you know, very near to the, the absolute margins of the internet, giving you three-hour podcasts on, you know, nearly forgotten mountain men and uh, making this three-hour case that these are arguably the best men that have ever walked among us. So you can see, you know, it's a far cry from, um, you know, uh, parlaying this into the next big hit on on TikTok or, or whatever the fuck. And in attempting to, you know, live with that fact, which is perfectly fine, but uh, you can't just dump your, your life into something that's going to be completely fruitless. And uh, I don't think it, I don't think this project is completely fruitless at all. I think that the fruit that uh, that I would love to to cultivate 
you know, some of the most important, nutritious, uh, desirable and needed fruit right now, in my opinion, regards this, uh, this form of quote conservatism that on the one hand is entirely obviously bought and paid for, right? There are I, clearly at the actual political levels, um, Mitt Romney or whoever who waves the red flag you want to pick. Okay, this guy is 100% vetted, controlled, right down to the, the final T crossed and the final I dotted. I guarantee this. We've gone into, you know, how that might work. Certain people just cannot tolerate a purely conspiratorial worldview, which is perfectly fine. And so this isn't probably the place to get into the weeds about whether or not these guys are kitty rapers or, you know, Satanists or just dupes that are that are bought off and or or maybe a combination of these or an egregore of dark forces that have embodied the you know or taken over the bodies of these husks husks is certainly an accurate term i mean whether they are inhabited by literal demons or they're just so easily swayed to sell out their whatever, you know, their countrymen. Who really cares if it's their countrymen? They're just willing to straight up lie to you. They don't even view you as your as the countrymen, their countrymen, anybody's countrymen. It's you're 30 years behind at least. And if you're if you're still, you know, trying to square that circle and that, that's, you know, this is the point. So coming a long way around the bend, you know, at, as somebody who finds, has spent a fair amount of time, you know, as much time around, quote, conservative types as I have around, quote, liberal types, and always found myself entirely disappointed with the, ideal, the ideologues of, of both camps. And as we were saying a moment ago, if you go down the ladder, right, from politician to military man to uh, welder guy who shows up at a Trump rally to somebody who just quietly votes for Trump, right? The last one, you know, is, I mean, what, what choice does the guy really have? And, but, but it sort of ends there in terms of any claim to righteousness, any claim to being right at all. And this was the main point at the, you know, that that was was being uh, threaded through at the end of episode four. There is a fatalism and a defeatism that is cloaked entirely in in the clothes of the con man or the bluff. And this is, this is as simple to point out as, you know, this question that's been going around for like at least 10, 15 years. So at what point is, has it gone too far? Was it, you, you can go back, I was alive to the 90s when Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were on their first, you know, tour. And there are still videos on the internet where you can hear these two characters sounding off proud and loud about how, you know, absolutely southern border needs to be protected. The southern border needs to be built up. We need to send funds and uh, address this immediately. 
much has been made and this is not my forte. I, I see this stuff, I've monitored it very closely at points and I, I prefer to take the 30,000 foot view for whatever. That's my predilection. Um, and I, I'm suggesting maybe, you know, for, <clears throat> pardon me, for them who find themselves in, quote, flyover country, you have, you know, you have a lot of wood to chop. And that's in the form of Dunning-Kruger. That's in the form of cognitive dissonance. But most, even, perhaps even more like uh, impenetrable, incorruptible, hardened than those two, which is really saying something, is this fact that the American myth once it was broken against the sort of sound barrier of terminal mechanization velocity that we've achieved in, uh, you know, uh, maybe the 70s, maybe the, maybe the 60s, maybe 46 when the, uh, the tests at the Trinity site were done. But once the myth was, like, shattered... It was, it's almost like the planes on 9-11. Like they seem to hold together as they enter the building. Very strange. And also similar to those planes, you know, there was this fracturing that occurred to the, quote, if there is such a thing, collective psyche. Certainly there's a collective interest. There's no question about that. And that itself was absolutely fractured. And... What it appears to me that you arrive today with is, you know, in a sense, these these shards of the wreckage of maybe a people, maybe a dream, uh, maybe just a myth and a lie. Maybe the, the little shards collected now uh, are as empty, as, you know, as anything else. But... Uh, for whatever reason, you know, if these are, extend the metaphor, like metallic ferrous shards, they seem to have aggregated, you know, magnetized themselves around something roughly um, identifiable as like the rural masculine. So the issue with this, though, is that the rural masculine is maybe the most defeated kind of i mean once again once once again like we're in this recursive uh hall of mirrors you know the rural masculine there's just simply masculine that's it there's not like rural and urban masculine um but yet and this is this is the kind of the what i'm trying to address is that while we can certainly look at the news and Instagram or what have you and find a sort of urban feminine, you know, feminine, like, in the process of rising or having, you know, maybe in the process of stomping back down even harder on the rural masculine in its, you know, catty, shitty, snake-like way. The issue really is that the coalescing around something as absurd and empty, uh, uh, just uh, smoke and mirrors, just absolute bullshit, is something like the rural masculine. And this is what I mean. Are there rural dudes that are masculine? Fuck off. Of course, that's not what's being said here. Are there urban dudes that are masculine? Of course there are. Are there rural dudes who are feminine? Yes, absolutely. You know them, I know them. What it seems to me you really have in this, you know, long list of D's, despair, denial, defensive posture, degradation, etc., etc., is fatalism and defeatism cloaked in a bluff. And it seems to me that, and of course, you know, 
I addressed this in uh, King of Dogs in a roundabout way. And perhaps it's better just left that way. Um, But time has gone on. And the fentanyl has taken its toll. And uh, for those out there, and there are many, you know, this rural masculine who continue to just suck off the fucking conservative political powers that be, the idea that there is such a thing. It's, uh, it's like, it's like a form of sacrifice, you know? Uh, I mean, the lemmings falling off, walking off voluntarily the cliff is maybe the most tired cliche of all. But the, the weirdest part is that if it was a rural masculine identity, American rural masculine identity. Why would these fellows have such a difficult time uh, collectivizing? Individuals that I have met over the years do not immediately counter with, oh, well, this smacks of socialism. No, you dipshit. It's the fucking bought and paid for conservative, quote, political power who says that shit. And then the, the, your common guy repeats it, right? So this puts, you know, this points out the lie. Um, How, I mean, this has gone on for, you know, I've watched it 25 years as a grown man. Like, what the fuck's going on here? Why is this? Really? Again, okay, four years later, fuck, it's still working. Four years again, eight years again. It's still working. 16 fucking years later. Yeah, it's still working. Are they just, are, are these people just springing out? Are they growing them somewhere? Are these just literal NPCs uh, produced in a factory? It, you get to a point where you have to make a, a fucking addendum to a podcast because, you know, it, it just, I, I, there must be an attempt made to, to uh, tear apart this knot, this bit of the mold, if you will. So, in the spirit of, of pulling apart the mold... Um, referring back to a related thread um, and this is not meant to be little this is again meant to criticize uh, you know your author here um, you have guys like Chuck Palahniuk you know considered great novelists have found a way to kind of oh find large readerships you know in in urban and one would presume more rural environments. I don't know how great a novelist he really is personally. Um, I've read a few of them and I, I honestly wasn't that impressed. You know, it could be just that he's working on a, some, uh, a, a dissimilar level of abstraction and uh, I haven't been able to recognize it. Of course, Fight Club was incredible. Um, as a movie. So, the best that I can do in this regard, you know, of building handrails. Some authors build handrails very clearly like you they will handcuff the reader to the handrail and you literally can't go through the novel without being told what's going to happen 10 pages in 10 pages from wherever you're at now movies do this of course it's a continuation of the stupefaction of the consumer and i have eschewed it consciously quite consciously even though Uh, I've received feedback from very, very competent uh, readers, editors, etc. that I'm fooling myself. You know, you can't, you can't simply 
build up a mythopoetic structure that harkens back to ancient texts and then assume that your reader, by means of his own intuitive powers, his own um, con- his powers of reading into context clues, as we recall from grade school, one of the, probably the single only valuable thing that came from public education, in my opinion. I believe that that's the case. That sentences can be juxtaposed and to the uninitiated may appear to be even contradictory, if not, you know, of course, certainly altogether like unwoven, unconnected. What do these two things have to do with each other, etc.? You can imagine that doing this over an entire novel and hyperlinking page one to page 340 or whatever, 326, and building superstructures throughout and trusting that the people who will comprehend this creation are the ones that deserve to comprehend it. And this is as a good friend of this podcast has pointed out, a feature of of what some have called the remnant. You know, when this was first pointed out, I I got it. Um, But I think it's sinking in over time what what an astute insight that was. Perhaps, I mean, I am, you know, I just got in the truck one day and made a podcast with my phone. Kind of, found my way along, and here we are. In some cases, you know, in most cases, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to speak in a interminable monologue, and uh, if I leave a thread laying, I will either pick it up in the next episode or 10 episodes down the line, because this is how I have trained myself. This is what I, my predilections are geared this way, etc. For for those who prefer something else, there are many other podcasts, of course. So what am I talking about? What I'm talking about is this corollary parallel thread regarding peace. So this is an, a concept that seems to me fairly self-evident, not to be overly didactic about it now, but to clarify um, as best I can. I think that knowing real, true, deep, true peace is essential to understand and make truly savage, ferocious war. Some implications from this statement, right? With all due respect, when I compare the austerity, um, and I've talked to many veterans, so I'm not going to pussyfoot around this, you know, I think that, I think that we all agree that if there's a McDonald's anywhere near or a Pizza Hut and you are surrounded by overweight females who are also, uh, you know, who are giving you orders, <laughs> for Christ's sake, uh, you're, you're, in, you're in something else. And what does this have to do with peace? Well, there's no peace. And um, I repeat it, you know, to know... Uh, true, true inner uh, and outer, I suppose, peace would be essential to understanding and waging um, ferocious war. Savage might be the wrong term, right? Because I'm talking about the kind of war that... uh, 
might need to be waged silently in the shadows, psychologically, in defense for many, many, many years. We have examples of this. I mean, I don't believe the story about the Taliban. I don't think that we ever went over, you know, that they, oh, what, uh, you know, we have the time, but they have the watches, whatever. I don't think that's, that's just demoralization, dude. They don't have shit. And the, the American, you know, the coalition was never sent in there to, quote, win that fucking war. Once again, the point, I believe, is that when I talk about the rural, masculine, empty notion, and I talk about yoga and breath work, and, you know, I sit in my uh, 350 dually in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by my weapons. Tonight I have added my shorty, my 1-8 Trijicon, 11.5 law folding uh, apparatus. Very nicely built, uh, lower from... American resistance. Some of these small builders are really, really good. And they're pretty easy to, to, you know, to sort out if you send them an email. Ask them, you know, um, do they they stake uh, properly the bolt? Do they, uh, what's this piece here? I forget what it's called. Ask a few pertinent questions, you know, um, and you can get a solid deal. And then it's topped with the the BCM. What do they call their new barrel? CFW or something, something fancy. Yeah, it's a very. I'm I'm very happy with it. So here I am. I'm this guy, and I'm not. I'm not in your camp. I'm not in his camp. I'm not in their camp. I've told you the road that I'm on. And again, just as I'll side with Jim Bridger and uh, Kit Carson, as, as told, I will take the road that I'm on over this political hoodwink. It's just a, it's just a scam, dude. It's just, are there political solutions? In the sense that politics mean people get together and do something? Sure. Enough said. It's all just, you know, uh, as McCarthy said, you just got to get uh, a tourniquet on it, on it because there's just more blood flowing out the door every day. So... When I speak of this divide, it's because there is a divide and it's an illusion. And when I speak of reverse and intentional cultural um, co-opting, what do they call it? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, white people wearing, wearing dreads. That, while it is ridiculous, you know, maybe there's some point to it. In America, what if you're if you were an American, you're you're not necessarily a Black American or a White American or Asian American. You're some dude, and uh, you don't have to be in the box that you're in. Um, Hopefully, all you guys are just turning this podcast off at this point because you're like, dude, I'm not in that box. I'm listening to this shit. And maybe it's the guys that you're around. You know, maybe it's the guys that you run into at the gas station or the the corner mart or the grocery store or the bar, the mechanic shop, what have you. These are the guys that sadden me. They really do. And uh, 
I don't think that without knowing that, you know, this particular fellow, let's say, grows up with this idea that, you know, well, I'm in the country and I can fish and it's, it's, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful out there uh, in rural Michigan or have you found peace in rural Michigan? Sure, so have I. But the point is that for most people, this is not just uh, a perfectly peaceful place, nor is Tennessee or North Carolina or Alabama or Florida or Texas. If you're all alone and there's solitude and you've you know, architected your journey, then yeah, well, why did you architect your journey? Because you had to avoid all these dipshits to carve out your moment of peace, right? So this idea that the country boy will survive, no, he won't. No, he won't. Say it again. Just because he's a country boy, he's now standing in an absolutely defensive posture, and he is has been stripped of, you know, nearly the entirety of his culture, and all of the efforts that have been put forward have been uh, infiltrated and denied out of hand. I mean, the best among them have been punished and the worst shittiest among them, you know, walk free. And I, I sympathize with them. I sympathize with the case, the effort, McCullinies, efforts. Um, and I'm not yet advice, you know, I'm not yet suggesting, well, turn to something other than localism. Mostly this is an effort per, per you know, as is the standard uh, on this podcast and in the work that I produce. I'm trying to take the, the uncharted course, the oblique angle. We're trying to approach this from a new point of view such that we can maybe just see through the lies and 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 uh take note of the what is oftentimes a simple you know or just overlooked solution or not you know in the tangle and so this idea of knowing actual peace in order to make methodical ferocious focused war over time, over generations. This does not seem the same thing to me as what is implied in the, you know, the refrain of the country boy will survive. The value insofar as there any there is any in the statement seems to be, well, you know, the country boy keeps things going, right? The country boy backs the trailer up, he fixes the pump, um you know, and then we go down the line. Well, what are you going to do when your plumber doesn't show up? They'll buy off a fucking different plumber, buddy. That's what they'll do. And then they'll crush you. Oh, what are you going to do when they, uh, they ain't making Cummins parts anymore? They'll fucking discontinue Cummins like it's nothing. That's what they'll do. And they'll keep whatever advanced technologies are available, uh, which there are smarter men than all of us, one of them being Dr. Joseph Farrell, you know, who has made pretty damn good case. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz is another galaxy brain who's made the, the legitimate case that the no, not joking around, you know, this is not aliens and, uh, stuff to get likes that there's potentially already um an off-planet civilization of some sort and they're just simply cleaning up the refuse and ordering you know ordering up the way that they want the reservation or the big ranch farm hydroponic um you know embryo site whatever it is that they might have in mind transhumanist super farm, you know, of uh, human livers and um, trachea, who know, 
who knows? But um, these are very intelligent, very serious people um, who have made that case. So if we are, you know, and I say we, I mean you and the guys standing down at the corner store. I mean me and the guys, whatever, at the mechanic shop near me. Us. It, it should be pretty plain to us now that it's, you know, there's something missing because the steamroller just keeps on steaming and uh, the people who shouldn't be able to be bought off continue to be evidently bought off or walk away and decide they just actually don't care anymore about doing that job or this job. And there's so many people, you know, there's so many people that will fill those roles. Um, I forget what what the the blossoming of population exactly is from like 1970 to now, but um, there's plenty of people to fill these roles. And if you consider that they're willing to let a lot of infrastructure go to shit and retain. There's plenty of plumbers, welders, pipe fitters, bridge builders, prototype makers, you name it, who might have voted for Trump, but are, but are sure as hell not going to you know, risk their paycheck, risk their livelihood, or anything else in some sort of ridiculous uh, dust-up that they don't even know anything about, especially if you pad that paycheck a bit or pad the social credit score a bit. So in in attempting to be critically clear on this, my tact of tracking things down, you know, of approaching from the, the rear, the oblique angle of eschewing where all the, the crowd is, taking a look at it, gathering what I need to gather, and then moving on my own way. This is what I have arrived at. I don't know that it stacks up to J.D. Vance or, uh, what is his name? B.G. Masters or whoever the latest sort of, you know, prince with the trumpet of the, who's going to lead the conservatives out of, you know, conservatism? <laughs> Where are they going? Monarchy? Are they going back to um, Pat Buchanan? That would be a step forward. Haven't heard anybody talk about him, though, for a while. This type of conservatism, which is happy with the brass ring, which is happy to sacrifice, and is happy to repeat ad nauseum the platitudes of that sacrifice of going to work 40 hours a day and putting food on my, on the plate i say the thing too it's not it's nothing about the expression it's not it's about the fact that at the core the whole american experiment was never meant to operate if that was the whole job the whole job was you were you and i were supposed to take full responsibility for a whole culture, a microculture. And there were supposed to be tens or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of these across the continent. But yet we are still duped and hoodwinked and bullshitting ourselves. And you and I let these people continue this bullshit. Of course, it's rampant in the boomers, but it's rampant in the millennials as well who you'd think uh, this stuff would just kind of seep through, but in some way, Cass Sunstein and his his big budget of cognitive infiltrators and the, uh, the JIDF or the Canadian version or whoever's taking the lead now on cognitive warfare... They seem to have done a few little bait-and-switch, real tricky moves in the past eight, I don't know, five to eight years. Flat Earth, uh, 
QAnon, a number of these were so obvious. Whether or not it's true, you know, time will tell. Just, you know, he'll do his thing. It became a soap opera. It became a thing to defend or devote your YouTube channel to. Or otherwise, divert your powers of your investigative powers. Your powers of discernment and judgment. To divert those off and waste them, sap them of their power. Of course, this allude this you know for the the astute listener slash reader. Here's the allusion to our experiment with the witch. In this way, you know, it's been said before that. This is all a form of black magic. And black magic, as Ed Calderon has said, is, you know, the weaponization of psychology or something along these lines. Well, it's true. How many of Ed's followers, he has many, right? Like there's 150,000 or something. But is it 50,000 of them that understand the full gravity of that statement? That it doesn't just end in the cool guy uh, pulled out my Pical reverse edge and worked him over and dumped him in the ditch to go have a fucking drink at the bar and take some pictures of myself. No, dude. No fucking way. It's more like 5,000 at, at, at best, maybe. And that would, I would, you know, I'd admit that's probably pushing it. So the bulk of those people and this goes back to the remnant. If you're listening to this, you are the remnant. I am the remnant. And uh, my job is to make these oblique approaches into, you know, fertile or dangerous or unknown sorts of territory or commonly misunderstood territory. This is how I view my job anyway. And to find some clarity, to apply the trivium, to gather my grammar to process and remove contradictions. And in this case, the rhetoric is arriving to you in this form. The contradiction that I am identifying that I, that was that a pastiche form, let's say, went into episode four. And now we are Diamond honing it. These three threads, right? The degradation of rural America. The takeover, this fatalism and defeatism, which is cloaked in bluffery. In a big fucking, you know, an eight inch lift on your truck. There's no lift on my truck. If I needed a lift, I'd put a two inch lift on it. I don't need a lift and neither do nine out of 10 dudes or maybe even 99 out of a hundred dudes. It it's, it's as if you'd think that the left and their condemnation, their condescension was so powerful, uh, that like black magic, it was literally turning these people into zombies to go, to go and like, outwardly evidence the very psychological deficiencies with which the left has prescribed uh, as the, the cause of these ridiculous behaviors, the small dick and whatnot. I mean, Jack Donovan, Art of Manliness, variety of guys have come in here and torn that up and and that's fantastic. Yet, once again, you know, Jack Donovan's audience, I'm not sure. I think it's under 100,000. We're, we're fast moving towards like, what, 370 million? Just that we know of in this country. 370 million versus, let's give Jack Donovan 700,000, you know, times it by 10 or whatever. Again, the 
fatalism and defeatism cloaked in bluffery. This is a dangerous, dangerous recipe, man. And the reason it's so dangerous is not, yes, there's absolutely danger uh, in, you know, low intensity conflict, kinetic or non sort of scenarios. But it's long term dangerous in a, you know, very, very low intensity or almost no intensity sort of conflict. Because at the current pace, it would probably be less than 10 years, um, I, you know, before even the worst of the demonic suggestions, whatever, be it um, the chimeras, you know, inserting a pig liver in to your body because you drank too much or polyamory or abortion or what have you. How far are we? Until Mitt Romney just admits that, yeah, I don't, he doesn't give a fuck about that. You stupid shit. Well, he's the best shot we got. No, he's not, dude. The best shot you got is pulling your head out of your ass. And again, obviously, I'm not talking to the listeners here. But this is my attitude towards um, a vast, you know, segment of the population that I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And I, it's not like I was hiding it. It just occurred to me. But the truth is, and I've thought this for a long time, is that some of these depopulation explanations given to all of this fuckery, you know, there's times where if it weren't so, if if I didn't have to take any of the flack, which I would by you know, even agreeing with it, it's tempting. It's very tempting to just say, you know what? If you did reduce the population to whatever the the Georgia Guidestones recommend, I think it's 500 million globally. Man, we can get the buffalo roaming again big time. Maybe I could be a mountain man. Maybe I wouldn't have to ever, ever again navigate the strange and sloppy, uh, slimy, nasty, every bit as foul fucking social territory of the conservative, quote, as, as I do have to navigate the equally tawdry shithole that is urban li- liber- liberalism, um, you know, this is a sort of message and why I'm going to make this one free to whoever wants to hear it. I I know that you can't like, piss people off and, you know, make any dent, but sometimes you can get one little thorn in there and it'll stick. And three, four, whatever years later, that fucking thorn is going to have to be addressed because it's abscessed. Psychically speaking, of course. The idea, you know, and I I use the shorthand on this podcast all the time, but I'm clarifying now that as this uh, much valued listener subscriber pointed out, uh, this is is a sermon, uh, a message from the wilderness to the remnant. No flood of Joe Rogan or Jocko. Uh, subscribers are going to glom on to the Warhorse podcast. And uh, that's fine. Nonetheless, if that thorn, the, the triune structure of this thorn, pointing out the ongoing use of the, the twisting of the original American myth into this idea that simply by showing up at a job, you are a good person. And if that job is blue collar or and or rural, well, so much uh, you are, you get 10 more points of good person points. And the other side of that thorn being this acceptance 
that the urban feminine, you know, the fecundity of it, as von Neumann pointed out, is so absolutely terrifying to you that you have already rolled over. You are, for all practical purposes, a cash, a a suburban cash for someone with more fucking balls than you for when you are blown over to come in and get your your fucking leftover sardines and a few few, uh, anchor screws or whatever the hell it might be in your garage. The fatalism and defeatism that you mask with the big truck or the too many guns and no training or the football or whatever. It's all cliche. The only thing not cliche here is pointing out that it's fatalism. You're done. You gave up. You didn't even you didn't even try out despair. Fucking coward. And finally, I offer you the third piece, the third aspect, which is an observation. Love to hear a refutation of it. Love to hear some counterexamples. Yeah, you can murder someone. You can kill someone. You can kill all kinds of shit. Uh, You know, scientists do it every day. Absolutely cold. But um, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something much more hardcore than that. And the only way that you get to ferocious, methodical warriorhood. Yeah, breath work, death work. Go listen to the the 20 hours that preceded this for some gentle detail on it. But to know and have experienced the Eliadian hierophany Uh, or whatever you want to call it. But you have not, the guy who who hopefully this thorn is now, you know, developing a barb and sucking into the side of uh, your corpus colossum. You do not know peace. And because you don't know peace, because you don't know yourself, because you're afraid of yourself for one, Because the multiplicities of yourselves, your grandfathers, your fathers, were all shredded in dumb wars and dumb jobs and dumb platitudes and all manner of hoodwinkery, which no, you're not responsible for, but you are responsible for your life. And so, if your hard, you know, quote, hard road was to um, put on your jammy pants and uh, go down to yoga and risk embarrassment. And that was what stood between you and um, your ability to fucking procreate. And not just, you know, pop out one more kid that the state can take care of. I mean, be a father. Dangerous fatherhood. The seizure of dangerous fatherhood by all means available. However long or arduous that road may be, that is not something that you get with a trade school credential or a PhD from the fanciest possible college. And it ain't something that you just get by virtue of having a dad, even. Plenty of dads stuck around, but were complete shit. They're sitting there right now in front of the boob tube, fatter than hell with, uh, you know, the triple X jerseys, uh, reaffirming that this is what this is what being a man is all about. So the last side of that thorn that's barbing into somebody's brain somewhere off on this timeline, that hopefully all of my personal power can, you know, seek out along that. Uh, perfectly gridded green Tesla grid. The giant circuits upon the earth, superseding time, superseding space, all this shit. 
Those three points juxtaposed, not haphazardly, but certainly without handrail in uh, episode four, which is not available. So if you want to be fully offended, you're going to have to subscribe. (laughs) But uh, these have now been detailed. And, you know, perhaps in the same way that... um, warlocks and witches and vampires and all sorts of dark dark you know entities demand of you your consent before they can really start their their processes of parasitism and uh psychic rape whatever perhaps in the alternate if i'm doing you a really solid i don't have to ask for permission I can just jam that fucking psychic barb in there through the airwaves of the internet and uh, that will be my prayer for tonight. That you will know such profound peace with your children, with your wife, with your dogs, with your weapons, with yourself, all right? All of that, sorry, you know, The crazy blue-haired lady is right on this one, guys. Because she stole it straight out of the Bible that that you probably didn't read. He who is now being barbed. You have to face yourself and what you are, are fearful of. Find the dark place in the wood and go there. And, um, there's no way around this. And this, how many times has this been put forward? Dune just came out again for, you know, 20-year cycle. Here it is again. But how many kids are going to repeat that line? I will let my fear pass through me such that only I remain. Fear is the mind killer. I don't know. I hope... uh, I hope a shit ton of them, you know, dropped, uh, I don't know, picked up maybe some ketamine in the, in the water supply and had just enough of a, a micro dose to get that, uh, Herbertian wisdom deep, deep, deep so that maybe, you know, my generation will have a Fremen coming up in the next 20 or so years. But to know the deep peace, hell, this is probably in Dune too, right? That's how you make savage, ferocious, methodical, sober, ongoing war. And to extend that in the, and close this little baby out, You know, the ancients have said this. McCarthy has said this. It's probably been said in countless movies, songs, and books. It's probably best summarized or most famously summarized in this um, little adage, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Very practical. Fold it out just one more layer. What's the warrior doing in the garden? The warrior is in the garden to cultivate peace. Not because he knows war and he has PTSD and he needs to sort some shit out. Because he is a warrior. That's the peace. That's the little angle. That's the 10% that makes the 90% lie go down. That's the angle they steal from you. The warrior is in the garden Not because he's fucked up. The warrior is in the garden cultivating peace so that he can more ferociously make war when the time comes. Until next time.